Good morning, Hillcrest. I have been looking forward for several days to be here this morning to share with you. I don't think we ought to wait the next week to start revival. Amen. So I'll just go ahead and start it today. If you're here without the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know that God loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And if you put your faith and trust in him, that you can get up here and you can sing that same song Brother Travis sung this morning. I do not usually wear my watch during the week, and I forgot it this morning. <laughs> and my wife said, um, you did that on purpose, didn't you? Well, really I didn't, but uh, she was afraid that I did, and so she gave me her watch. Whether I'll be able to see it or not will be another thing, okay? When I was thinking about that, I, I remember the story I heard of a, a Catholic little boy and a Baptist little boy that went to Hillcrest Baptist Church that were talking about their differences in their churches. And they decided that they would visit one another's church. So one Sunday, the little Baptist boy from Hillcrest got up and went to church with a little Catholic boy, and the priest got up and did all these things that they do. The little Catholic boy was explaining everything to the little Baptist boy, what it all meant. The next Sunday, the little Catholic came to Hillcrest with the little Baptist boy. And the preacher got up and he took his watch off and he laid it down on the pulpit and the little Catholic says, what does that mean? And the little boy said, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> Open your Bibles this morning to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. I told my wife uh, this morning, I said, uh, Next time the Hillcrest wants me to preach on Sunday morning, I want them to call me Saturday night, okay? <laughs> Don't give me two weeks to get ready to come next time, all right? Because my mind is just uh, running rapid and everything that I want to speak to you about and talk to you about. And some people say, are you nervous? Well, I'm not any more nervous today than I usually am at any other time when I stand the pulpit to preach if a man ever gets where he's comfortable preaching and not a little awestruck by the responsibility that he's taking upon himself when he stands in this desk to speak to you, he needs to sit down, okay? Because when I stand here this morning to speak to you, I'm speaking to you for God. That's my job. That's my responsibility. And so I want to speak to you for God this morning about being saved. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. I know you don't usually do this, but I'm going to ask you to stand with us, please, in reverence to the reading of God's divinely inspired, infallible, inerrant word, okay? Verse 46. And they came to Jericho, 
as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Barnabas, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Listen. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more with a great deal, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Listen. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Let's pray. Lord, we stand awestruck in your presence. We know we're unworthy, but we know that you've called us and laid a message up on our heart for this time and for this occasion. And we just pray that as we speak now, that our words would be your words and your words would be our words. We pray that they may not see an old man standing up here trembling and shaking, but they might see the servant of God standing here to deliver him God's message. And we pray for these folks in the balcony and these folks in these pews that this morning the power of God will fall upon this place and this altar will become a seeking place for sinners that they may fall on their faces here before you and call upon your name and receive you as Lord and Savior before it's everlastingly, eternally too late. We pray that you direct us and have your will in our lives and all things and all of God's people will join us in saying, Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you, God. When I preach um, a sermon, I like to sort of have an idea of how we got to that particular place and that particular point in the scriptures. So how did Jesus at this particular time and this occasion wind up at Jericho? As we read the Gospels, we find that one of the Gospels says that there were two blind men. Another one says there was one blind man. But actually, in truth, there were three blind men that Jesus encountered on this trip into Jericho. Now, he had been up at Capernaum. If you know anything about your biblical map, Capernaum is at the upper end of the Sea of Galilee. And he had been up there because he had left Judea because the Jews were seeking to destroy him at that time. And he had been at Capernaum and he got word that a friend of his at Bethany was sick. And that friend's name was Lazarus, okay? And so Jesus had left Capernaum at the upper end of the Sea of Galilee He'd come down along the edge of the River Jordan. He crossed over Jordan back into Galilee. 
and he entered into the city of Jericho. Now, when he entered into the city of Jericho, on entering into the city, he encountered a blind man there. Now, the Bible does not tell us his name. We don't know his name, but it just says a blind man. Now, he did the very same thing that Barnabas did here in the book of Mark. He cried out for Jesus to heal him. He also got healed and got saved, and Jesus went on into the city. As he enters into the city, he encounters a third blind man that the scriptures don't tell us he was blind. It just tells us about him. And the Bible says this about him, that he was a little bitty short fella. He might have been a smith or something, you know, I don't know about that. But he was a little short fella, and he wanted to see Jesus. And so he ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed up in a sycamore tree that overhung the road there. He crawled out on the limb of that sycamore tree and watching as Jesus came by. And Jesus got down under the sycamore tree where that blind man was by the name of, of Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down for today. I'm going to go home with you. So that man got his sight there too. That man was gloriously saved and Jesus Christ went home with him and nothing was ever the same with that man again. His whole life changed from that time forth. Forevermore, his life was totally completely changed. As he completed his duties in the city of Jericho, he's leaving the city of Jericho now and he encounters this third blind man. And this third blind man's name is Bartimaeus. Okay. Now someone asked me this morning on the phone while I was preaching on the day, and I said, I'm preaching on Barnabas. Now, we don't want to get Barabbas and Barnabas mixed up, okay? They tell me my signature message is about uh, uh, Barabbas, but we're going to preach about Barnabas today, okay? And this person said to me, I don't believe I've ever heard of that guy. How many of y'all ever heard of Barnabas? Huh? Two people in this whole crowd. On, on I got my job. And, oh, there's one over there. Terry, you've heard of him? You want to tell me about him? I oh, know. Right, hold on. He encounters this blind man, his name is Barnabas. Now, Barnabas represents a sinner. That's what a blind man represents in the scriptures. And this particular person, he represents a lost person that's going to find Jesus Christ. He's going to be find him as Lord and Savior, recognize him as Messiah, King of Israel. He's going to get healed. He's going to get saved. His life's going to be changed totally and completely forever. That's what God does for you when he saves you, okay? This is Barnabas. Now, I want us to see him this morning. How many, how many of you have an imagination, okay? Anybody in the balcony you got imagination? Nobody on the floor does, okay? <laughs> I'll talk you up there too. You know, I've never preached to this many people before, I don't believe. Good, good to have this many here. Amen. Good to have this many here. I, I want us to get a picture of Barnabas this morning. Have you got imagination? Yeah. All right. Let's say what he looked like. He was probably dirty. He had on dirty clothes, raggy clothes, probably scruffy beard. No reflection on any of you guys who got beards, okay? Um, alone. Sightless, lonely, dejected. There he is. Can you see him? You know who he is? You know who he represents? 
He represents you. He represents me. Because without Jesus Christ, you're blind. You're just as blind as Barnabas was that day. I just love this story of Barnabas. It's probably one of my favorite Bible stories in the entire Bible about Barnabas as he sits there dejected, alone, and he hears the crowd, he hears the commotion. Let me talk to you folks over here too. He hears the commotion going on and he begins to wonder, what's happening? What's going on? And somebody says, you ever heard of a man by the name of Jesus? Barnabas said, yeah, I have. He's a man made of some clay out of spit, put it on another blind man's eyes, and told him to go and wash. And he came back seeing. I heard of him. I heard of him. He's the guy who took five little hoe cakes and two little fish. Somebody says, were them catfish or tilapia? I don't know. There was two little fish. He took those two little fish and those five little barley loaves and he break them and he fed them to the multitude and fed 5,000 men plus the women and children. Probably as many as 15,000 people with five barley loaves and two fish. I heard of him. I heard of him. I know he preached a great sermon. He said one time, Blessed are the pure in heart, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they should be comforted. I've heard of him. He can help me. He can help me. Nobody else can help me, but he can help me. I know he can help me. Jesus, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. And those Baptists, those Baptist deacons, it was there beside the road where Barnabas was sitting. That hadn't reached down a hand to help him. Says to him, "Be quiet. Jesus hadn't got time to fool you. Stop your crying out. Stop all this racket. You don't have to make all this noise. Be calm. Be collected. Be cool, man. Be quiet." But he says, "No, no," because he said. I've sat here all these years. I've sat here all this time begging for somebody to give me a scrap of bread or a coin and nobody gives me anything. And now Jesus is coming by and I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. I will not be quiet. I will raise my voice. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus, stop. He stood still. And he says, let that blind man come to me. And they said to him, hey, you can be a good cheer. He's calling for you. He's asking you to come. And he got up and came to Jesus. Listen. Jesus says to him, what do you want? Is that what he said? Still got your Bible open? Jesus said to him, 
What do you want? Barnum must have said, duh. <laughs> what do you think I want? I want to see. My wife and I were at the beach on South Carolina coast a couple of years ago. We got up in the early morning before the sun come up. We're standing there on that beach and looking out on that ocean. And we've seen this giant great ball come up out of the ocean. And I said to her, how can anybody see that and doubt there's a God? How can anybody see that and not believe that God's out there? This blind man had never seen that before. But now he's going to see it. He's going to see it now. I want to tell you how this blind man got saved. I want to tell you how his life got totally and completely changed from that time forth forevermore. The first thing I want you to know is that Barnabas understood that he was a sinner. You know how you get folks saved? Get them lost. Let me ask you a question, okay? How many of you are a personal sower? Raise your hand if you are. How many of you are a personal sower? You personally win souls to Christ. Brother Glenn, God bless you, my brother. How about the rest? Where's the deacons of this church? Stand up, deacons. Every deacon ordained man in this building, stand up. Stand to your feet. Are you a soul winner? Why aren't you? The Bible says, he that winners souls is why I sit down. I'll get to holler at you a little more in a minute, okay? You got to get folks lost before you can get saved. That's why when I'm going to do personal soul winning, the first thing I do is open my Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23. And I read to that person, I say to them, for all is sin and comes short of the glory of God. I said, do you know what that means? I was talking to, we was in Sunday school a few Sundays ago. And our little church is small. We only have about maybe 20 on a big Sunday, Okay. Within Sunday school, the mother of this young woman says, um, my daughter thinks she's going to hell. She says to me, but she's been baptized. I said, we need to take care of this right now, okay? Close your Sunday school book. We're not going to have Sunday school today. We're going to have preaching, okay? We ought to have preaching in Sunday school a lot of times, Okay. So I said to her, open your Bible. I said, you got a Bible there? She says, yes, sir. I said, open it to Romans 3.23. I said, read it to me. She read it to me. I said, what's that mean? She said, well, I guess it means that we all sin. That's what it said. I said, that's what it says. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means if we have sinned, that we've fallen short of God's expectations. We're not reaching the goals that God wants for us to have, and we're lost. And we need to be saved. Barnabas knew he was lost. He knew he had a problem. He didn't say I may have cataracts. He didn't say I may have a sty. He may not, he didn't say perhaps I got pink eye. 
He says, I'm blind. I can't see. And I want to see. So he says, Jesus, have mercy on me. I want to see. He wanted to do something about his situation. Now, how can a person be lost on their way to hell and not want to do something about the situation? How many folks here this morning know you're saved, huh? Y'all cooperate with me. I'm old and I need coddling a lot, okay? You know you're saved, okay? Up in the the balcony. Hey, good to see you up there. I see some hands is not raised. Must mean that some folks here is more lost. It'd be a good time to have a revival, wouldn't it? Lord Messenger was lost and knew he couldn't help himself and knew nobody else could help him and he wanted to be helped, so he began to cry out to the one that could help him. He knew that there was somebody there that could help him that day, and that person would fix and walk by him and go on down the street and go somewhere else. And so he gets his attention, says, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. And so Barnabas knew he had a problem, and he wanted to get some help for it. He, he wouldn't allow anyone to stop him, okay? I am surprised how many people get slowed down and stopped from finding the Lord Jesus Christ by the silliest things, by the most trifling of things folks let come in between them and the Lord Jesus Christ and them getting saved. Let, let, me, let me share a personal testimony. Can I do that? I'm a preacher's son, okay? My daddy is a Baptist preacher, or he was as long as he lived. And I heard my daddy preach hundreds of times. Hundreds of times I heard my daddy preach. One night I was in church. I was 11-year-old. I'd been in church all my life. As a matter of fact, I went to church nine months before I was born, okay? (laughs) We went on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, All the time we went to church. But that night was having revival services and an old bald-headed preacher, and I ain't got nothing against people who got no hair. Brother Smith, I ain't got nothing against you, okay, brother? Old bald-headed preacher was preaching, and he got up and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, this evening I'm going to preach up on the subject of hell. Open your Bibles to the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar by the name of Lazarus who laid at his gate full of swords. And no one would give him anything. And more of the dogs came and licked his swords. And in the course of time, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And Abraham said, Son, remember Remember the chances you had? Remember the opportunities that you had? You could have been here in paradise, but you rejected those chances. You closed your heart and went away. And the old preacher preached and preached. And I said to myself, I wish he would shut up. I wish he would stop talking and give an invitation so that I can walk down this aisle and get on my knees in this altar 
and pray and ask Jesus Christ into my heart, into my life, save my soul. And he did. And my life has never been the same again. Never been the same again. We've got to get ourselves lost before we can get saved. I seen myself lost that night, and I fell on my knees, and I would say, Barnabas, he knew he had a problem, and he knew that Jesus was the only person that could help him. Amen. Another thing that I noticed about this Barnabas was that when Jesus called him, he came. I was talking to a man one night. I went to his house to visit him, lost man. He said to me, I said to him, uh, wouldn't you like to be saved? Said, wouldn't you like to pray tonight and ask God to come into your heart and into your life and save tonight? He said, well, the preacher said, the Bible says few are called, many are called and few are chosen. I said, it does. What's that mean to you? He said, he called me once. He ever calls me again, I'm going to answer. Barnabas didn't wait for a second call. He took the first call that he gave him. He answered when he was called and came to Jesus. I wonder how many times have you been called? How many times have you been called? Are you going to answer Let's look at this again. They said to the blind man, he's called you. Listen, verse 50. You got your Bibles open over here? Let me come over to this section. Y'all think I'm going to let you, don't you? And my son-in-law said, here, let me go over here. He taught me Sunday school this morning. Verse 50. And he... Casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. What's that mean? He, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. I hear a lot of stuff as a preacher. As a pastor, and Brother Glenn, I don't know how many preachers are here, but I, I imagine you're like me. You get sick and tired of hearing these folks talk about the warfare of the flesh and the spirit. And when you get tired of hearing that, these so-called Christians out drinking and cursing and whoring and doing all this other stuff, and you say to them, I thought you was a Christian. Warfare of the flesh and the spirit, preacher. Let me ask you a question. Does the Spirit ever win? Does the Spirit ever win in these people's lives? I know about the flesh and the Spirit. I, I mean, I'm old. I hey, young people, get me to my favorite Bible verse. I once was young, but now I'm old. <laughs> I, know about, I know about the war man, the flesh and the Spirit. I know what temptation is. I know what it is to be tempted to sin. I'm not dead yet. I'm old, but I'm not dead yet. 
I know about temptation, but Barnabas was a beggar. Now, he dressed in beggar's garments. He probably had um, uh, some of you know, these young people got in these jeans, okay? I see some of the, let me look back here. I see some of these young people, they got on their britches, and I used to have pants that were in style that have holes that big in the knees of them. Okay? <laughs> this, this blind man, he probably had that. Probably had them holes in his britches. But when he came to Jesus, he said, I don't need them holy britches no more. I'm going to start wearing holy britches from now on. I'm going to live holy from now on. I'm not going to have no holes in my socks and holes in my knees and holes in the seat of my britches. I'm not going to dress like a beggar no more because I ain't going to be no beggar no more. When you get saved, my friend, you don't live the same way you did before. Some folks said, I can't tell no difference, preacher. I tell you what, let's do. Come on, let's get down here at the altar. Let's get here at the altar and get on your knees and start praying and asking God to give you something you can tell the difference in. Amen. You can tell a difference. You can tell, as my brother so aptly put it earlier in the song service, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new through Christ Jesus our Lord. This young man wasn't going to need that no more because he had Jesus in his heart now. And everything's going to be changed. Let, let, let me hurry. I know my time. Must, I'm not going to look at that watch, but I know my time's running <laughs> He asked for a definite cure. What's that mean? Well, that means this. If I was lost, and I knew I was lost, and I knew I was on my way to hell, I'd be asking Jesus for something. I do just the same thing that this man did. I want to see. I want a difference made in my life. I want to see. I don't want to be blind no more. I want to get saved. I want to be saved. I like that word, don't you? I want to be saved. I want to pass from death into life. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus because old things are gone. Is that true in your life? Let me hear. Jesus said, Thy faith. Thy faith has made thee whole. One of my favorite verses of Scripture, I get a hundred of them when I go to preaching. For by grace are you saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves. What's the rest of that? It's what? Speaking in my time, okay. It's the gift of God. Oh, I like that. Least any man should boast. You lost? You want to be saved? Trust Christ. Trust Christ. He will save you. He will save you. So Jesus said, faith has saved you. 
Faith will save you. As long as the faith is in the right thing, the right person, as long as it's in Jesus Christ. Let me hurry. Immediately, instantaneously, totally, completely, any other adjectives, adverbs, or verbs I can think of, he received his sight and followed Jesus. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him. With him. All the way. Are you going to go with him? Are you going to follow him? You know where it led to? Jesus is leaving Jericho. If I'm looking at the map correctly, that's about 20 miles down the road. It's a city called Jerusalem. Jesus is going to enter into that city and four days later going to the cross and die. You may say, preacher, you got a vivid imagination. Thank you. Let me use it again sometimes, okay? But I believe, I believe this. I believe that Barnabas left Jericho, followed Jesus down the road. I believe he was there on the side of the road when Jesus came into Jerusalem that first time. And he was probably one of them that stood there on the side of the road saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the son of David, the rightful Messiah, the King of Israel. Blessed is he. I believe Barnabas was there. I believe Barnabas was there the next day. Jesus entered the city again, went into the temple, and found those Jews holding a bazaar in the temple in the courtyard of the Gentiles. I believe he was there when Jesus made a scourge of a piece of rope and drove them out of the temple. I believe he was there. I believe, I believe Barnabas was there when Jesus walked up that hill that day and laid that cross down, it ought to have been on Barabbas. I had to stick him in there somewhere, okay. And old Barabbas is standing over on the sideline and says to Barnabas, hey, Barnabas, that's my cross. I believe it was there when he seen Jesus down on the cross. I believe it was there three days later when Mary came back from the tomb and says, he's alive, he's alive. He's alive. I've seen him. He's alive. He followed him. Will you? Will you follow him? Let me give you some information, then I'll hush, okay? I was told not to hold you too later. You never would let me come back again, okay? <laughs> and this person knows you better than I do, Okay. This is the first time 
as far as I know. And the last time, as far as I know, that Barnabas had an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Many of you have had many opportunities. Young people, senior adults, middle-aged folks, in the balcony, in the aisles, we've heard the gospel many times, haven't we? And we think, I know it's important, but I intend to do it someday. I went to this man's house in Smithville, and he never would let a preacher come in his house before. For some reason, I can understand him. It was me. He let me come in. After all, I am sweet and nice and loving kind. I have faults, but you know, all those other things. And I said to him, I called his name, I says, you have been saved? He says, no, no preacher, I had never been saved. I said, wouldn't you like to be? He says, well, I guess I would like to sometime. I said, how old are you? He says, I'm 84. I said, I called his name again. I said, what makes you think you got time? What makes you think you got time to wait? He said, well, I, I don't know if I got time or not, but I, I don't want to do it today. I'll do it sometime. I said, the Bible says now is the time. Today's the day of salvation. Don't I boast about tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm planning on getting up in the morning and going to Hardy's and eating a biscuit and then go old Jimmy Floyd and walk a couple of miles and Linda's going to drag me in there in the weight room and make me work out on all those machines and ride that bicycle and then she's going to fuss at me for not eating enough and then she's going to fuss at me for getting fat and, and I'm, I'm planning on doing all those things tomorrow. Will I go down before tomorrow? I went to my doctor, and my doctor came in, and he examined my heart, and he came in, sat down, talked with us, and he, he sat down across from us, and he looked at me, and he said, he said, you're a well-oiled machine. I said, what, what does that mean? He said, you're in good shape for the shape you're in. <laughs> I said, what does that mean? He said, that means you, you got good health. You ought, you ought to expect to have a good life. I said, will you guarantee me that I can live to tomorrow? He says, no. You want to guarantee you live to tomorrow? Can't give it to you. We get on this Hartsville Pike, and if you go that way, if you go out to the dreaded stoplight, whichever way you go, you're more than likely going to meet somebody who's intoxicated before you get to the end of the road. And who knows what that intoxicated person's going to do? Are they going to cross the center line and smack into you and launch you into eternity? I don't know. I don't know. They might. And then you might live a long time. You might live a long time. But 
Don't know. So don't you think we ought to settle? Don't you think we ought to settle it this morning? Don't you think it would be a good idea for you to get saved here this morning? Let's start revival. You ready? Revival.